very good, boys. Let's sing it again. Yeah, let's sing no, it again. No, that's enough. Let's not overdo it. Why do you mean overdo it? We want to sing it again. All right, we are back, and in our final segment, we're going to do more science. The last item we have from Discover Top 100 was number 93. Apparently, uh, apparently the Voyager spacecraft have beat uh, bonehead uh, efforts in Congress to cut off their funding, and they are continuing to broadcast back to Earth. Voyager 1 should be completely outside of our solar system in the next decade or decade and a half. It's already at, uh, at the, the, the outer fringes where the solar system basically ends and interstellar space begins. Uh, we need to keep these things opening and open and working. And thank God, uh, you know, they found the four and a half million dollars a year that we'll need to do this. We also mentioned in the past, and we talked about this, that we're hoping to get Ed Stone of Caltech, the chief scientist for the Voyager project, to talk to us. We'd love to talk to Dr. Stone, and, and by gosh, this, this reminds us that we'd better go out and do the legwork to make that happen. You know, we forgot to mention at the top of the show, and looking forward into, in, into next year, that, uh, you know, cross your fingers. NASA's New Horizon is set to go here uh, mid-January to go out and visit Pluto. The last, uh, well, is it a planet or isn't it? The last of the original nine planets to be visited by uh, Earth robots. I want to see, see what Pluto looks like you know, before I die. And that's going to be the last time we're going to get way out there to take a look at something. Um, if they plan this right, they'll be able to swing it past Pluto and perhaps take a look at some of the other Kuiper Belt objects deep out uh, in, the, in, the, in the deep freeze reaches of, uh, of our solar system. And a, a lot of cool stuff's going to come from that. All right, Mr. McGuillan tells me we've got about seven minutes left, so I want to do three different stories I've been hanging on to for a while, uh, which I just think are fascinating science stories, and um, let's talk about each one. Scientific American last month talked about an ancient nuclear reactor, noting that two billion years ago in Africa, uranium deposits apparently spontaneously underwent nuclear fission. I think I made passing mention of this uh, uh, a couple months ago, but I really think you ought to get a hold of, uh, of Scientific American and, and read this one for yourself. It's truly a fascinating bit of scientific detective work. Uh, uh, you, could not prob- you could not have an uranium deposit go, uh, go critical at, at this point in the, the Earth's history, but uh, two billion years ago, the composition was more favorable. Uranium-235 decays much faster than, than does uranium-238, and apparently when water, uh, groundwater built up around these deposits, it slowed the neutrons down, acted as a moderator, uh, which is what happens in, in, in our present-day nuclear reactors, and a nuclear chain reaction got started. Apparently heated things up, boiled the water off, and stopped the reaction until water could then reaccumulate, and it would cycle through this, and apparently did so uh, over and over again. Interesting possible byproduct of this, by studying these deposits, they determined that uh, huge amounts of radioactive xenon-135 and krypton-85, which are both uh, radioactive gases that are generated by current nuclear plants, have been released into our atmosphere. But uh, nature's fission reactors suggest the possibility of locking away those waste products 
in aluminum phosphate minerals, which apparently have a unique ability to capture and retain such gases for billions of years, as demonstrated by the findings in Africa. And here's, here's one I, I still find just flabbergasting. I think I mentioned this earlier in the year when I read it. I just It's worth coming to and looking at again. New Scientist, April 16th, 2005. In our modern high-tech world, we apparently have lost the art of how to gather water using dew. This was known to ancient peoples. In fact, the article starts out talking about an 18th, the 18th century English countryside uh, uh, Gilbert White, a chronicler of this, uh, knew all about catching dew, noting there was a pond above his home that was replenished by dew. This uh, pile of rocks, 30 feet in diameter, 3 feet high in the middle, uh, provided enough water for 300 or 400 sheep and at least 20 herd of cattle. I must confess, I don't fully understand how this contraption would, would work, but uh, but work, it does. And, and, and this is an area that... Um, Uh, A low-tech solution to water problems in certain dry areas. You have to have the conditions, uh, you know, uh, various things have to be right. But uh, this article noted that um, in the Atacama Desert in northern Chile, where it never rains, it's the driest place on earth, they used plastic sheets uh, in in a similar way to gather uh, water from the fogs that roll in from the Pacific Ocean. And uh, until, uh, until the 1990s, these 12 by 3 meter nets were catching an average of 150 liters a day. Anyway, I love these low-tech solutions to problems. Of course, if you can just build a well or, you know, pump, pump water from elsewhere, you can eliminate this problem. But, you know, why not do this? In fact, people are interested in doing this in, in like, Israel, Israel's Negev Desert. They note there's 100, uh, 100% humidity for 200 nights a year. They could, build, they could basically build these piles of stones and gather a lot of water that way. I hope they do. And uh, in our final uh, final story of the day, we, we take a look at everybody's favorite dinosaur. Well, I don't know if it's everyone's favorite dinosaur, but studies have shown that far and away, the best-known dinosaur in the world is the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, of course, uh, T-Rex first, uh, first became a star in 1933 in the original version of King Kong, which is, of course, uh, currently in theaters near you. The remake, anyway. But let me quote from the article. It's not always easy to pinpoint the exact time and place an icon was born, but for T-Rex, it all began a hundred years ago on the pages of the New York Times. This new tyrant saurian, wrote paleontologists Henry Field Osborne and Barnum Brown from the American Museum of Natural History in New York, is declared to be the king of kings in the domain of animal life. It was the most agile monster of his generation, a fighting machine that preyed upon herbivorous neighbors twice his own size. Turns out that was a pretty bold statement. At the time the men made it, all they had to back it up were a pair of legs, a pelvis, an arm that they weren't even sure came from the same specimen, and mere fragments of skull, backbone, and ribs. But as they shouted their discovery from the rooftops, Osborne and Brown spawned one of the most enduring animal icons of all time, an image that has found its way into everything from breakfast cereal boxes to album covers. It's just about the only species that can be readily identified by seven-year-olds. 
But what makes this article so fascinating is it revealed that, uh, you know, there was a story in the making of, uh, of, of, you know, the famed monster that he's known to be today. According to the archives at the American Museum of Natural History, Osborne and Brown's announcement was a carefully planned publicity stunt which was designed to beat out a rival team of paleontologists. Apparently, the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh had unveiled a Diplodocus skeleton which had prompted a public sensation and even a visit from the British monarch, Edward VII. Not to be outdone, Osborne set about to make room in his own museum for a full-size Brontosaurus skeleton, which, if you are familiar with dinosaur lore, apparently involved the wrong head on the wrong body. Uh, they no longer co- there is no such thing as the Brontosaurus in, uh, in current, uh, current terminology. In spite of the Flintstones, but it was clear that uh, that you know with the with the uh, the Brontosaurus in New York and the Diplodocus in, in Pittsburgh, that museums could make a lot of money from dinosaurs, and of course a fierce rivalry then built up between Pittsburgh and New York. Apparently, Andrew Carnegie took a look at what the New York guys were up to and decided to give dinosaurs a starring role in his new Pittsburgh museum. Hence, in a battle of public relations, uh, the race was on to find a big flesh-eating dinosaur to be a real crowd puller. So, uh, having found chunks of bone uh, back in the West, they went back to see if they could unearth the rest of this large meat-eater. It turned out that both teams had gotten chunks of, of this same large reptile, and apparently Carnegie had his heart set on, uh, on naming the do- new dinosaur for the museum in Pittsburgh, prompting the New York people to come forward and describing the Tyrant Lizard King, Tyrannosaurus Rex. As it turned out, the incomplete specimen failed to, uh, to whip the public's imagination up, and it took many years for them to come up with a, a suitably complete Specimen, and then followed by the double whammy of of Hollywood getting involved with uh, a 1919 movie, The Ghost of Slumber Mountain, which showed an animated T-Rex. Then there was a small walk-on part, it said, in the screen adaptation of Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. But indeed, we're back to King Kong. Once a T-Rex showed up on the big screen in in uh, the uh, the great uh, gorilla movie of 1933, dinosaurs uh, took on a life of their own, and you know, T-Rex became the star. Who knew the Tyrannosaurus Rex had an agent? And although it's not very Christmassy, I think we'll go out with Bang a Gong by T-Rex. Thank you, Mr. Edward McMillan, for that and for your production of this program, as always. You need to come on and talk once in a while. No. (laughs) You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Now, stay tuned for Todd, and we'll see you next Thursday at 5 o'clock. And, of course, happy holidays to all of you. 